This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to an all-new episode of the Talks with Taylor Hendricks podcast with yours truly exclusively on Russo'sBrand.com with Channel Attitude. Today we have a really fun special episode. Um, Sally Sausage did in fact join us, however she decided that she was much more interested in one of her toys. Um, the second special guest I have this week is actually none other than Meowin. I call him my little chonk monster because he's fluffy and chonky and just loves to lay on the couch. He's my little couch potato. Um, he like legit fell asleep and is completely unfazed right now by me doing this podcast and Sally Sausage's shenanigans. <laughs> the chonk monster. Love that cat. Anyways, um, today we have a really fun, really special episode for you guys. I say that every week, but like, come on, every week. I mean it. You never know what you're going to get on my podcast, you know. Um, even if you are not a wrestling fan, we've got Hollywood, we've got comic books, we've got world news, we've got fun facts, historical stories, trending on social media, and so much more, all packed into one weekly podcast. I can't think of a better deal with Russo's Brand than, than Russo's Brand.com. Uh, Russo's Brand. Uh, to me, it's just a really fun platform where you are not censored. You get to be yourself. And for one lump sum a month, uh, that is less than a large cup of coffee these days and does not require a long-term commitment. You get like 20 plus different podcasts, live streams, YouTube videos, uh, Patreon, Twitch, and more from people like Vince Russo, Taylor Hendricks, Al Snow, EC3, Goldilocks, Humming Media, Stevie Richards, and so, so many more. So many more crazy, talented, amazing, unique individuals with different perspectives who all collectively uh, call versus brand home. So to me, that's awesome. I want to thank everyone who joins me here every week, and I want to thank all the new people joining in. I think this is there's something for everyone with the Talks with Taylor Hendricks podcast. I also want to hear from you guys about something very important. Particular. I am thinking about having guests make um, some more visits on my podcast, so I would love to hear from you. Who do you want to get featured on my podcast? Do you want a return guest like Alex Gracia or Lisa Marie Varon or, you know, uh, Shaw Guerrero or Robert Turbin? You know, the list goes on and on and on. Leo Rush, like the... D'Lo Brown, Shelly Martinez, we have, we've had so many amazing guests. So do you want to repeat guests? Do you want new guests? Tell me, I want to hear from you. Now, next up as a quick little blip of an update is the Taylor Army Book Club. So in case you did not know, uh, we started a book club for the Taylor Army back in August. We call it Reading with Taylor Hendricks, the Taylor Army Book Club. And I am so proud of it. I love it. Our first book that we ever did back in August was Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. So what's really, really cool is I give you a cost-effective book once a month. We collectively buy them, we read them, and then we kind of talk about them on my YouTube channel called Reading with Taylor Hendricks, the Taylor Army Book Club. Um, I try to pick books that appeal to a wide ranging audience because that's what the Taylor Army is. We are so unique and unusual and strange and awesome and loyal and collectively just one of the most positive, most amazing fan bases in the entire poor industry. Bar none, I stand by that. <laughs> For the month of September, which we are coming to a close in now, we chose When Likes Aren't Enough, A Crash Course in the Science of Happiness by Dr. Tim Bono, PhD. 
Now it is worth noting that every book that I choose will be $20 or less and every month when I announce which book it is, I, I'll give you several links where you can buy cost-effective versions from eBay, Walmart, Amazon, local thrift shops, and more. So definitely stop on by on my YouTube channel for the Taylor Army Book Club called Reading with Taylor Hendricks. We've always got something cooking. We've always got something going on and I love that. It appeals to my wandering soul. <laughs> Uh, the next update is with Lucha Patron. Do not forget, I mentioned it last week. I'm going to be mentioning it pretty, pretty consistently leading up to the day. The next Lucha Patron live event is going to be live on October 14th in Petaluma, California. LuchaPatron.com slash tickets. You're going to have the return of Samurai Del Sol, aka formerly known as WWE's Kalisto. You've got a multi-time world heavyweight champion by, by way of Supermax Hernandez. He is going to be on the card as well. You've got Lucha Underground Star as well as the current Lucha Patron Cruiserweight Champion Ricky Mandel. You've got the return of the Lucha Patron Heavyweight Champion Big Fonz. You've got Kimo. The television champion returning after a massive hot streak is RJ Santos. You've got the return of Wicked Wicked, Drago, Taylor Hendricks, and so many more. So definitely check, take a look, check it out. LuchaPatron.com slash tickets. I also want to remind you guys about the Taylor Hendricks 8x10 Mystery Grab. For $30 via PayPal, you get several personalized signed 8x10s. You get a potentially signed limited edition free t-shirt included. Free shipping. You also get to choose a charity of your choice that I will personally donate to on behalf of the Taylor Army. And uh, I know I said free shipping, but that's world wide and you get entered in the chance to win not only a brand new 8x10 by me which will hopefully be released soon but you also get put into a raffle to potentially win a brand new t-shirt that will hopefully also be launching soon so so much um if you want to join in on that you paypal $30 to taylorhendricks at yahoo.com in the notes section for friends and family you write down your name who you want your 8x10 signed to, your full shipping address, what your potential t-shirt size is, uh, and uh, give you the charity of your choice. The choices are St. Jude's Hospital, the Progeria Research Foundation, the ASPCA, the Wounded Warriors Project, and of course, Toys for Tots. I am once again joined by the infamous Sally Sausage. Yes, hello, sweetheart. You want to say hi? You want to say hi? Go that way. Go that way. <laughs> it is it is always a good time in Taylor's tiny house on wheels. Let, let, let's just keep it real, all right? All right, before we dive right on in, I think I've got Sally Fur here, one of the hazards. Um, I did. <laughs> We have fun. All right. Before we dive right on into some juicy shizit surrounding some Hollywood news and Disney again, uh, I want to give you guys a brief reminder that I asked you all in the Taylor Army a question on Twitter yesterday, and it was about what you think the top TV show, like the best TV show of all time is. And I had you guys comment using a GIF. Well, here's the deal. On today's episode of the Talks with Taylor Hendricks podcast, I'm actually diving in to IGN's top 100 best TV shows of all time. Now, of course, we do not have time to do the entire uh, 100. That would probably take the entire podcast, and that's all you would hear. I think that would get a little redundant and boring. So I'm only going to do the top 25, but I want to see how close were you? Did you measure up? Uh, what was your choice? And did it appear in the top 25? Honestly, though, the top show of all time by IGN really did surprise me. I felt some of the choices in the top 25 were a little shady, but overall it wasn't a bad list. I mean, there was one in particular that I had not heard 
heard of but other than that I had heard of all of those shows so I think this time they were pretty spot on but I want to hear from you let me know and don't forget to like retweet and comment from that tweet of mine about the top what you think the top best TV show of all time was all right let's dive right on the let's try talking let's dive right on into the latest Hollywood news update if you are interested in what's going on in Hollywood all the gossip what's going on with you know the strike uh, news on the movies in the box office what's going on with the comic book world video games actors and more then this is the update for you um, <clears throat> we're gonna start off with Martin Scorsese Martin Scorsese recently shared how he is very um, discouraged and disappointed with the direction Hollywood itself has taken with the film industry he feels that with um, with you know uh, major film conglomerates you know taking the easy way with um, you know movies that I guess how he would put it is that already seemed like they could have a franchise and you know basically like comic book movies superhero films and so forth um, he feels that that's robbing other directors and actors who have their own voice and own individual thoughts and feelings and ideas and arts that they want to portray and it's kind of this new stigma is reducing them to the indie circuit so to speak and he thinks this is a shame he thinks it's tragic and he is basically telling people to stand up and fight this there should be more room than just comic book films there should be more art and more individuality with their directors and their stories and their writers and their actors so I actually don't think he's wrong on this I think that people with everything being so expensive with inflation and you know money hunger and things like that people are only able to spend their money on so much in a consumer mentality with such record high inflation that it does make sense that these inflations also you know hurt different industries like artistic industries like the film industry so yeah it makes sense that they want to return again almost 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 a guaranteed return on their investment with stuff that goes to the movie theater but also I think it goes deeper than that when you think of the cost of you know, uh, going to a location, the cost of all of the workers on set, the safety measures, uh, the different skills necessary like CGI, writers, acting, um, safety, uh, you know, showrunners, like all the stuff that goes into the production, creation, and release of a film. I mean, marketing alone can be almost double some, you know, budgets for the overall film. So we're not talking chump change here. So I don't think he's wrong. Um, but I also think that, you know, more... Uh, venture capitalists and more, you know, film, uh, the, the major companies in film do in fact want to return on their investment. So you can't really blame them because after all it is a business and businesses need to make money. Um, but yeah, I do think that, that just because they need to make money does not mean Martin Scorsese is wrong. Now, I don't think it's bad to be a part of superhero films. I would love that. I enjoy them. But do I think that it is kind of Xing out some of the more original voices that go against the mold for Hollywood and the stigmas that Hollywood wants to continue to portray? Um, yes, I think that, that both of those things can simultaneously be true. Um, so yeah, I would like to hear your thoughts on that. What do you think? Do you agree with Martin Scorsese or do you think that we should continue with more of what Hollywood has turned into? I want to hear from you. I'm very curious. Um, next up is we officially got the first look and if I post this portion of the podcast on YouTube, I will in fact include his photos because right now I don't know. I've asked you guys for help on this and nobody has commented so maybe you guys don't know either. I don't know. But I don't know how to put 
um, how do I articulate it? I don't know how to take like a photo of something I'm talking about and, and put it into the video. Like I do not possess the knowledge on how to do that. I am actively trying to learn just like I'm trying to fiddle around with new set designs and thumbnails and marketing for my channel and so forth. But yeah, like I am so behind the curve with stuff like that. So by all means, but if I do post this on YouTube in my actual thumbnail, I will put the photo of what I'm referring to, but this makes my set, my soul so happy in a very nerdy, weird, unusual way, but I'm totally owning it. Okay. So with that being said, we officially have the first look as Elijah Wood, as, as um, Elijah Wood officially uh, shows us all on social media, what he is going to look like uh, as the villain Fritz uh, Garbinger in the Toxic Avenger alongside Peter Dinklage. But what I think is crazy funny is, is okay, we all know that Elijah Wood was Frodo in Lord of the Rings. Can we, can we just all agree on that for one second? Okay. Like, and if you don't know, like, I don't know if we can be friends. Yes, we totally can. But you know, I don't know. I felt like the need to say that because Lord of the Rings lives rent free in my soul. <laughs> but anyway, um, okay. So he was in Lord of the Rings. We got that. As soon as I saw what he was going to look like as Fritz, I thought, oh my gosh, he looks like if Grandma Wormtongue and Salad Fingers had a baby. <laughs> I thought to myself, oh my gosh, <laughs> this, this made my day made my day. My face is getting so red because it's bringing me so much laughter in a good way. I am not making fun of this in a bad way, but as soon as I saw what Elijah Wood was going to look like for this role in the Toxic Avenger, I thought, oh my gosh, he looks like Grima Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings had a baby with like OG YouTube's salad fingers. Go on YouTube, like pause this podcast, go on YouTube right now and look at Grima Wormtongue and look up salad fingers from like like 16 to 20 years ago on YouTube. And tell me not if they had a baby, it would be Elijah Wood's character, the Toxic Avenger. I'll wait. I won't though because we have a podcast to do. But go just do yourself a favor. Have a good laugh with Taylor Hendricks right now. Go on YouTube. Uh, if you have never seen Lord of the Rings, which I mean you should. But if you have never read Lord of the Rings, if you've never watched Lord of the Rings, go go look up Grima, G-R-I-M-A, and then all one word for the last name, Worm Tongue. And then look up Salad Fingers. Rusty Spoons. Like, <laughs> it made me so happy. Okay, we gotta move on because I could probably go for like another 10 minutes just laughing. Like, kudos to Elijah Wood. It looks fantastic. I hope that the movie is just as good as the presentation of Elijah Wood as the villain Fritz. Oh my gosh. Okay, the Spawn creator Todd McFarlane has given um, reporters an update on the script going forward. It has reached its 80 plus page um, threshold um, and it, it is just about ready for production. However, due to the strike, it is currently on hold, but it is going forward as soon as, you know, the um, official negotiations go through with WGA. So that is exciting. It's currently on hold with Blumhouse, but I mean, you guys know from listening to this podcast every week, I'm a huge fan of Blumhouse. Uh, I love their productions. Like it would be a goal of mine one day to, you know, have them turn my novel, which hopefully will be coming out soon after I get through a bunch of hurdles. I, I, I would love for them to produce a film based off of my novel. Like that would be, that would be goals for Taylor. Like little Taylor, like little baby Taylor would be so incredibly happy with that because I've enjoyed 
I think like 98% of everything Blumhouse has produced. So to me, that would be so amazing. That would be goals for sure. Like some people like in rest. Okay, let me put this in wrestling terms for all the wrestling fans listening to this. Them doing my turning my novel into a feature film would be like somebody getting to be the main event of WrestleMania at Madison Square Garden. That's what that would be for me in wrestling terms. That's how cool that would be. So kudos. I cannot wait to see what Blumhouse does with Spawn. I think that would be absolutely amazing and really creepy and cool. And that's totally my vibe. Moving right along, speaking of creepy and cool and totally my vibe, I mean, after all, it is spooky season, it is The Nun. So in case you guys didn't know, The Nun 2 is officially in theaters and it is kicking some serious uh, which is really really cool you know I grew up in a haunted house I think I want to turn that into a series um, and so I've always loved and been intrigued by movies like this because I feel like once I feel like once the dead notices that you 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 notice they'll forever know you um, I, there's a better way to put that but I, to me it seems to be true you know I grew up in a haunted house to no fault of my own um, and I don't think to no fault of our own in general like I don't think we had any idea when we first moved in when I was a little girl but as time went on there were so many different creepy things that happened in the house and then my grandmother died in the house when I was about five um, not long you know probably yeah, really not long after we moved in. Um, it was a very long, pro prolonged battle with cancer. Um, so it's not like the house did it, you know what I'm saying? But, um, and I don't know, there was just so many different unexplainable, creepy, weird, unusual, strange, awe-inspiring, and <gasps> things that would happen in that house. I mean, there was friends of I'll, I'll use that term loosely, friends of mine that would, you know, have sleepovers at my house. And there was one girl in particular who did one sleepover and never came back like ever, ever, ever. She was like, your, your house is like the, the, um, the Amityville horror house. I am never sleeping over this house again. It was like really funny and, and legit to a certain extent, but, um, less like stabby, stabby, stabby and more just creepy, creepy, creepy. I guess you could say. Um, so to me, I'm always intrigued by movies like The Nun. So here we go. The Nun 2 is continuing its reign as supreme in the domestic box office, which is really, really cool. I think we're starting to see a new era of horror films. Um, we're really starting to see people really sink their teeth into these stories, and I'm really excited about it. It seems like they're putting more effort, and they're not phoning it in as much. I mean, look at the records that uh, Scream 6 created, um, which was, you know topping pretty much the entire franchise preceding it. So I think that there's a lot to be said for the horror industry and the supernatural um, films aspect going forward. They came in this past week with $8.4 million, beating out the number two slot, which is Expendables 4, who brought in $8.3 million. So not that much for her head, but still ahead enough. So that's really, really cool. I don't think people would have expected that from The Nun 2. So that's actually kind of cool, especially since it's a sequel. Um, and coming in at number three in the third position in the domestic box office is A Haunting in Venice, which raked in $6.3 Now, I haven't heard anything about this movie, A Haunting in Venice. So the fact that it's in the number three position and I haven't really seen anything as, as far as like marketing is concerned, to me, is pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, kudos to them. The next thing I want to bring up is where I mentioned Disney, and we have got some shizit today, my friends. It seems like every other day, I know last week we talked about Disney being sued by some of the investors about kind of putting on a facade in a way that's like cooking the books, but not really cooking the books because you're only speaking, you're not actually like, you know, where they were making 
the potential for the streaming platform to be profitable when by a certain time when in reality it most likely won't which is kind of jipping people and leading people to a certain destination under false pretenses well this week there is even more accusations against disney so let's hear it um the former showrunner for netflix's original daredevil series stephen denight um, he, re, uh, he reported two different outlets and clarified with EG, IGN that while he supports the new show and the new creative team 100% for the new Daredevil series, he is calling out Disney for supposedly um, scamming um, and skirting the way, uh, hold on here. He's, he's apparently pointing the finger at them for potentially a scam and wage theft. Um, he says they're, they're probably doing this by skirting, uh, skirting the uh, union pay bumps for people that are union, uh, in the union uh, by renaming the series and calling it a brand new series. So this is interesting because we do know that while a lot of the same actors from the Netflix version are transferring over to the Disney one. They are renaming it and saying it's going to be a brand new uh, series with a brand new story arc. So maybe this story from Stephen Denight, it does actually have some legs to it because I mean, he is technically talking about what they are in fact doing. Even though it's gonna be the, pretty much the same actors, it's going to be a different story arc and they're going to name it a different series so they can call it a different series. So this is not good news for Disney, especially as someone from the inside. You know, you and I can talk about this to great length and to great detail, right? But at the end of the day, we're not really in the know. You know, Stephen Denight, as a former showrunner of this show with those actors, would have more of a basis for knowledge of the day-to-day -day and what is going on in that aspect and in that part of the industry than we would, right? It's kind of the same qualm I have when it comes to fans and... Uh, the, the wrestling world, right? Sometimes you guys, sometimes fans like to regurgitate what they hear other wrestlers say without taking into account that maybe, you know, other wrestlers are saying something for a reason because they have skin in the game. So even though something may not be true or may be true, they might say it's the opposite in order to save their own skin or to, you know, because they have to uphold their end of a, you know, a status quo and a bargain. I think the same thing can be said here where we have to take everything with a grain of salt, but this does look like it could have legs, just like some of the stuff in the wrestling business that people don't want to talk about does in fact happen. And so I think that this will be very interesting as time goes on because there's only so much that Disney can combat before they have to take a couple L's. You know what I'm saying? So as more comes out on this, I will gladly keep you guys updated. Moving right along, it is IGN's top 25 best television shows of all time. Now, I want to remind you guys really, really quick um, to head on over to my Twitter feed and retweet and like and comment on my tweet asking you what you think, in your opinion, is the best, bar none, TV show of all time. I want to see if you came even close. Now, don't cheat. Don't go and watch this and then put what the number one is. You know, I want to hear what you think the number one TV show of all time is and see if you, you, you measure up to what IGN put their top 25. Now, I am going to remind you guys, they actually did a comprehensive list of the top 100, but we don't have enough time in this episode to do all 100, so we're just going to stick to the top 25. With that being said, I felt like there was a couple in in this top 25 list that I thought were a little shady. I did hear about most of these. I haven't seen most of that uh, portion of them, but I did have some questions. Like for example, 
or actually I'll hold my examples until after I tell you guys the list and then I can see if you guys are thinking the same thing as I am like where the heck are these shows on the top 25 like certainly some of these deserve to be in the top 25 for the best TV shows of all time but here we go IGN presents to you the top 25 best TV shows of all time here we go starting with number 25 is Su Succession coming in at number 24 is Freaks and Geeks Coming in at number 23 is the United States version of The Office. Coming in at number 22 is Arrested Development. Uh, 20, uh, 21 is Avatar The Last Airbender. Number 20 is Batman The Animated Series. Coming in at number 19 is I Love Lucy. My grandma loves this show. Coming in at number 18 is Star Trek The Original Series. Coming in at number 17, Sometimes You Wanna Go Where... Cheers. <laughs> Coming in at number 16, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Coming in at number 15 in the top 25 best shows of all time by IGN is Seinfeld. I was actually surprised, but not surprised at that one. I think I was surprised by its number, not necessarily that it was on the list. Coming in at number 14 is Watchmen. Coming in at number 13, Star Trek The Next Generation. Coming in at number 12, honestly, I have never heard of this show. It's Fleabag. Have you guys heard of that show? I have not. Maybe I live under a rock. I don't know. Coming in at number 11 was Lost. Love that show. Coming in at number 10 is Parks and Recreation. Now, rounding out the top 10 of the top 25 list of best TV shows of all time by IGN is number 9, Game of Thrones. Honestly, guys, I was very surprised that this wasn't better on the list because for years, all I would hear people talk about was Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. And because I had never seen it, I never jumped in on the hype. I was always busy, you know, with wrestling and stuff. So I didn't actually start watching Game of Thrones until like a year ago. Um, I'm way behind the curve, but I've always been like the opposite version of a hipster. <laughs> Whenever something is like super trendy and popular, I avoid it until after the buzz dies down. And that was the same thing for Game of Thrones. Coming in at number eight, which I thought was really cool to have it on here, is The Twilight Zone. Coming in at number seven, Mad Men. A lot of people say I look like Christina Hendricks. <laughs> Coming in at number six, The Sopranos. Now on my Twitter feed, so many of you chose this as the number one best TV series of all time. I, I want to know, are you guys disappointed that this is only number six in the top 25? Let me know. Coming in at number five is Twin Peaks. Coming in at number four in the top 25 as we round out the last five is The X-Files. Coming, I do love Coming in at number three, which was the second most popular answer on my Twitter feed. So yeah, are you guys surprised this wasn't the number one? Coming in at number three is Breaking Bad. Coming in at number two, rounding out the top 25 best TV shows of all time, courtesy of IGN, is The Simpsons. And coming in at number one in the top spot in IGN's top 25 best TV shows of all time, the Wire. All right, everyone, this is the top 25 list courtesy of IGN on Instagram as they rated their favorite top 100 best TV shows of all time. We just went through the top 25. We've got Succession, Freaks and Geeks, The Office, Arrested Development, Avatar, The Last Airbender, Batman, The Animated Series, I Love Lucy, Star Trek, The Original Series, Cheers, Buffy, The Vampire Slayer, 
Whew. Seinfeld, Watchmen, Star Trek The Next Generation, Fleabag, Lost, Parks and Recreation, Game of Thrones, The Twilight Zone, Mad Men, The Sopranos, Twin Peaks, The X-Files, Breaking Bad, The Simpsons, and The Wire. Now here's my question, okay? I'm wondering, where's Supernatural on this list? Like, am I right? Like, how many people think that the super, Supernatural should have been probably in the top 25? Like, I would, I, would t I would settle for coming in at number 25, honestly. I feel like it deserves it. Um, where the heck is the Big Bang Theory on this list, guys? Like, for real, even if you didn't watch it, like, did you guys realize that the Big Bang Theory at one point consistently for more than one season straight was actually outperforming um, if you took Monday Night Raw's audience and combined it with AEW Dynamite's audience, Big Bang Theory Weekly was drawing more than that combined total. So where are they in the top 25 list? I mean, that was literally the number one show. I think it was competing with the NFL ratings, to be honest with you. And while we're speaking of that and, and awesome, amazing, timeless shows, where the heck is Golden Girls on this top 25 list? Like, please tell me somebody else besides me was like, why all the shade at Golden Girls? Like, I mean, that show is timeless. And what about Family Guy? I mean, you put Avatar The Last Airbender on this list, but you didn't put Family Guy? And speaking of shade, where on earth is Scooby-Doo on this list? I mean, Scooby-Doo transcends every fad, trend, and generation. Like, this came out in, what, the 60s? And kids today in 2023 still love Scooby-Doo in all of its forms. Like, where is Scooby-Doo in the top 25? Like, that should, probably should have been there, in my opinion, instead of Avatar The Last Airbender. But hey, what do I know? What do I know, okay? No shade here. And last but not least, where's Grey's Anatomy? I mean, I haven't been a fan of the last couple seasons because it just seems like it's just agenda on top of agenda on top of agenda. But, I mean, like, seasons 1 through, like, 15 were pretty darn awesome. So where is Grey's Anatomy on this? And by the way, where is Law & Order SVU on this list? Okay, I know that this is a top 100 list, guys. I know I did not forget that. But we're talking about some of the best shows that have been around for like 20 plus years. And they're not in the top 25. What are we doing? <laughs> now we're going to head into hit or miss. Here we go. Um, sorry, I just realized there's like a gap in my notes here. Okay, <laughs> hit or miss. Here we go. All right. Now, the, the whole point of hit or miss is for you guys to interact with me through this podcast. And I want you to tell me if the topic is a hit over the fence World Series kind of stuff or if it's a big fat goose egg strike three, you're out miss. Here we go. I want to hear from you. There's no agenda here. This is just fun. This is just opinion. Let's get back to the humankind where we could have polite discourse and disagree politely and discuss the exchanging of ideas. OK, here we go. All right, hit or miss. Um, news just broke um, in Hollywood about Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis' custody case and legal battle. And boy, do I have some opinions about this. But here we go. Apparently, even though they are sharing joint custody, Jason Sudeikis will have to pay Olivia Wilde $27,000 a month for child support for their two kids, their son Otis and their daughter Daisy. Is this a hit or a miss for society? I say big fat goose egg, strike three, you missed, out. Out, 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 huge miss, okay? First of all, if you have joint custody, why is anybody paying child support, okay? 
Olivia Wilde, why do you need $27,000 a month? Like, let's be realistic. How much of that is actually going towards the kids versus holding up your lifestyle so that maybe you don't have to work if you don't want to? And then some other guy gets to come in and enjoy the and be a benefactor to Jason Sudeikis' hard-earned success with things like, you know, uh, Ted Lasso and everything else that he is involved with. Like, $27,000 seems like legal extortion. <laughs> um, I Like, who was that judge? Like, what were they thinking? You know, first of all, if he does like, how... how there are some people that don't even make $27,000 a year before taxes, not even just after taxes, but before taxes. This is a big fat miss in my opinion. Like I, like they have joint custody, which means split in half equal. So if, if he has to pay $27,000 to her, like what is she paying to him? Apparently nothing. She just gets to have $27,000 a month for two kids. Um, what? I think this is so indicative of who you choose as a partner matters, okay? Somebody's pretty face is not what's raising your children, okay? Their attitude, their mindset, their beliefs, their moral values, their their integrity, and their their willingness to live and prosper and improve, and they're just their overall attitude as a human being is what's going to raise your kid, not their pretty faces. Um, I think this is... This is a huge miss for men and women, in my opinion. Uh, but what do you think? <laughs> hit or miss? I mean, if you're Olivia Wilde, that's a huge hit. You know, I mean, like money, money grab. But honestly, 27K a month. All right, there is a video. Now, obviously it's not real, it's fake, it's like AI or whatever, but it's there's this crazy video of Alex Jones crashing a World Economic Forum, a WEF uh, meeting uh, for global elites who basically wanna control the world. And it was hilarious. He turned around and, in the video. Now, again, this is AI, this is fake, it didn't really happen, but it would be so crazy if it did. Uh, and who knows in this day and age, right? But apparently, um, quote, one of one part of the video said, quote, F you and your new world order. <laughs> is this a hit or a miss? I want to hear from you. I say this is a huge hit. Uh, this is a swing for the fence, bottom of the ninth World Series kind of hit. Uh, coming in clutch for your team and clinching the win is, in my opinion, go on Instagram, go on YouTube and find it and you will have yourself a laugh and you're going to be wishing that, that was actually real. <laughs> yeah, so many people were disappointed when they found out that it was not. <laughs> All right, on the other kind of cringe is a tweet from the President of the United States. So is this a hit? or a miss. Now, this isn't a political conversation, guys. Just I'm going to give a quick disclaimer. I don't care, you know, if you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican. I've already made it very clear that I am neither. I am more independent libertarian. So I don't really care, you know, how you've registered to vote. I just think stuff like this is funny because it seems very tone deaf. So let's dive right on in. After all, this is not a political podcast, so don't get panties in a twist. Here we go. President Joe Biden recently tweeted, um... <laughs> And it was a bit cringe. <laughs> um, he talked about his administration's efforts to combat the alarming amount of junk fees people are paying for concert tickets. Here is what the tweet said. Quote, concert tickets are hard enough to get. You shouldn't have to pay surprise service fees on top of that. 
my administration is working to crack down on those junk fees so you know what you are paying for up front, end quote. Now, this was a tweet recently from the President of the United States. And I have to say this is a big fat miss, but I would love to hear from you. We can have polite discourse about this all day long. Is this a hit for you or a miss? Like, obviously, yeah, there are so many hidden fees with so many things now, whether you're doing, you know, things like DoorDash or other delivery services, the, the streaming apps that you're using now for, you know, watching movies and TV shows or video games or concert tickets, you know. Unfortunately, the cost of inflation is astronomical and most people aren't taught in school is what inflation actually does to you and your money. Um, but for me, this was so tone deaf. This was a big fat miss because with everything going on in the world right now, like getting offered $700 if you're, you know, a citizen of Maui and who's lost everything or the, the fact that rent these days is costing the average American over half of their income, depending on where they live in the United States. The fact that groceries have tripled, the fact that people can barely afford to put gas in their car to go to the jobs that they need just to have most of their money taxed away from them with inflation. I think those things are a little bit more important than the price of concert tickets. So to me, when I read this, I thought to myself, this reminds me of supposedly Marie Antoinette saying, let them eat cake. Like <laughs> this that's what this reads to me, but I, I want to hear from you. Is this a big fat hit in the bottom of the ninth in the World Series, or is this a big fat goose egg swing and a miss? Strike three, you're out. <laughs> I want to hear from you. All right. Moving right along, we have, as promised, the lawsuits from last week that we did not get a chance to go through. Okay, so the first one in case you did not know about this, I did not know about this. And I have a really good friend of mine who drinks these almost every day. So uh, her and I are going to have a very long conversation about this because she did not know about it either. So that's one of the next things I'm going to do after this podcast. Okay. So <laughs> apparently Starbucks is under massive fire right now. Um, they actually tried to get this lawsuit thrown out of court, but the judge said, no, justice will be served. So it was not thrown out and it is in fact moving forward in litigation. It is officially a class action lawsuit. Um, Starbucks is being sued over fake food. Apparently, according to the class action lawsuit, they have these, uh, fruit refreshers like, um, like their acai drinks and, uh, and all these other drinks that they have, that they have like these fruit things in them. Well, apparently these refresher drinks do not actually contain fruit, even though that's what they're said to have, right? Apparently what these drinks are is basically a chemical toxic soup of chemicals, colors, and flavors to make you have the, they're designed to give you the sensation of the taste that the drink should have according to their name of what fruit is in it, but there's actually no real fruit in it. So Starbucks is officially in litigation with a class action lawsuit over that. Moving right along, the next one is a multi-million dollar lawsuit against Trader Joe's. Apparently Trader Joe's is being sued by a man who got sick from their chocolate. Um, apparently it is filled with lead and other heavy metals such as cadmium, mercury, and arsenic. Uh, the, part, the Department of Public Health has apparently been studying this and has found that Hershey's, Trader Joe's, and more, including 28 other popular chocolate brands, including Godiva, Lint, and, of course, Hershey, which have at least one ounce over 100% of the allowed chemicals. 
This is crazy. So the next time you are popping a piece of chocolate, you're probably getting like a very toxic dose of heavy metals. And we now know in the gut and your, your microbiome that parasites actually feast and have holidays off of heavy metals. So maybe we should ha start having more conversations about heavy metal detoxes and all the different things that are actually exposing us and ingesting uh, with heavy metals. Stuff like Trader Joe's and Hershey's chocolates. Now Hershey is also uh, tied up in litigation with this as well. I had no idea. Apparently there is also, let's see here, uh, vaccine lawsuits, which are now on the rise. Um, a woman who is a nurse in Maine actually had her tragically, her infant baby die from over vaccination. Um, I'm trying to grab my notes here, but that is the headline of the profile. Uh, basically, what happened was a, a mother, a, a, a mother in Maine who was a nurse by trade, uh, by profession, I should say, had an eight-week-old baby uh, by the name of Sawyer who suddenly passed away less than 48 hours after receiving a bunch of staggering vaccinations. Now, the vaccination, the vaccinations, let me try to speak correctly here, came after the baby was sick with a rash, and she thought, well. I'll take the, the baby to the doctor. And even though the baby was sick, uh, the doctor decided to give a bunch of vaccines and less than 48 hours later, her baby passed away. Um, they only did a regular autopsy and apparently this has been happening more and more and more. They're not following through with a certain protocol that comes with um, testing people who have died after vaccination. So she actually had to fight to get that autopsy. And what that autopsy confirmed is that her infant baby died from over-vaccination. Um, the toxicology report revealed her eight-week-old baby died just 34 hours after being vaccinated. Uh, while her baby, who was named Sawyer, was seen for a rash, the doctor gave the infant four shots in the same visit. Um, I'll try to pronounce these properly. Ro Rotateg, um, R-O-T-A-T-E-G, HIB, Combo. Um, and Prevnar 13 and the pediatrics combo vaccine, which was only, okay, yeah. So the pediatrics uh, combo vaccine was only approved by the FDA in 2019. Um, and it's, um, it contains DTaP, IPV, and uh, hepatitis B. Now, um, by the time they got home, the infant was wailing like never before. And apparently some experienced moms who have gone through this exact thing actually labeled that the DTP scream. They say it's like a, it's basically brain damage when it's happening. And an, an infant or a young child will let out this unearthly wail that doesn't even sound human. And they've named that the DTP scream. I have never heard of this. It's awful. Apparently, the, um, the aluminum concentration was at adult toxic levels. And we're talking about an eight-week-old infant here who actually had adult-level toxic, which means if this was toxic to an adult, this is probably four times as toxic, I'm assuming, to an infant who's only been, you know, out of the womb for eight weeks. Like, this is insane to me. And basically, the level was 95 mcgs per liter, which is the adult uh, toxic level. The HIB and PDRX contain high amounts of aluminum, aluminum. so that explains uh, a majority of how all of that ended up in the infant system. Um, she had to go and forcefully request the pathology protocol for this. Um, this is this is just insane. You know, as a nurse herself, she never thought taking her 
her eight-week-old son to the doctor was going to result in less than 36 hours later uh, her her son passing away. Like, I don't think, I think that's just a, a horrible, tragic nightmare that I think more people need to be aware of. And apparently, after I did some deep diving here and digging down a bunch of rabbit holes that I didn't even know existed, apparently there's been a lot of people that have actually reported this, which is leading into FDA um, research and cases. On this which I had no idea these staggering amounts it makes me wonder about SIDS sudden infant death syndrome like could this be related I'm not saying it is but when you think about it this could be a possibility because you know sudden infant death syndrome doesn't usually have an explanation could this be a possible explanation for some SIDS cases I'm, I'm starting to wonder Next up on the docket is cancer. Cancer cases in people under 50 are on the rise. Um, nearly 80% worldwide in the last three decades, so in the last 30 years. And it is projected to rise by another 21% by 2030, which is just less than seven years away. Uh, basically, the rate at in 1990 was 1.82 million people under the age of 50. Now it's over 3.26 million as of 2019. Um, this is crazy. You know, uh, people in their, their, their young 30s and early 40s are developing uh, different kinds of cancer all around the world at far faster rates than we have ever seen over the last 30 years. And they, only, they project it to grow even more. So that 80% um, worldwide in the last three decades, rising another 21% by 2030, means that's a rise in over 101%. That is a staggering statistic. Uh, moving right along, another lawsuit that you're going to want to be aware of is McCormick Spices. This broke my heart because, I mean, I pretty much grew up in a Portuguese house that had a ton of Portuguese spices and then like McCormick Spices, like all over the place. Um, and so apparently this was, you know, I'm going to have to reevaluate some of the spices on my shelf <laughs> after hearing this. Apparently McCormick uh, Spices is being sued over their heavy metals in their spices. Um, spices including but not limited to ground ginger, basil, ground turmeric, and more. Um, wow. <laughs> and what did we just talk about? Heavy metals. We talked about, you know, the uh, adult toxic level of aluminum in some of the vaccines. You know, we now know that parasites literally feast off of heavy metals in our bodies and contribute to different gut and autoimmune diseases and all these other different things with inflammation in the gut and in the brain. And now we're finding out that all of these different things we're being told is one thing, but really they contain something completely different. It's a horse of a totally different color. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's all I can think to say is just wow. <laughs> all right. And last but not least to uplift you all on the Talks of Taylor Hendricks podcast is none other than motivation. I like to call this the bread and butter of the podcast because it was one of the main factors for me wanting to do a podcast. And then I was approached by Russo's brand, by Vince Russo himself to join Russo's brand, which is really, really awesome. It kind of was like a, a, you know, a middle finger, a positive middle finger uh, to everybody. I was like, oh, she's so difficult to deal with or whatever. And this, not and the other. It's like, I've been working with Russo's brand for years with no issues. So... <laughs> take that for what it is but I wanted to use you know a lot of my experiences to help other people and I, I truly feel that one of the ways to help other people is to help yourself and then to get other people in on conversations on what worked for you what worked for them because there really isn't a one-size-fits-all and a lot of people talk about motivation but they don't really talk about consistency and how consistent motivation will take you places that just random motivation alone cannot 
You know, you can be the most motivation motivated person in the world, but if you don't do anything about it, then you haven't really done anything and haven't achieved anything and you're not living up to your fullest potential as a unique and amazing human being. <laughs> and so that's why I love to think of motivation every week as your weekly dose of being a part of someone else's survival guide. We are all in the Taylor Army. We're all on this journey to become the best versions of ourselves that ever existed so we can become the adults that we needed as children, which I think is one of the most admirable things that we can do for ourselves, for our families, for our future selves, and for society. And then we're also focused on while we're trying to become the best versions of ourselves and become the adults that we needed as children, we're also focused on breaking generational curses and generational traumas so that we can pass on healthy habits and successes and positive, hardworking mindsets with great work ethics and moral uh, driven compasses um, to pass on generational wealth and health and prosperity. And I think that is an amazing, admirable, hard fought thing to do that makes society a better place. You know, we're a part of the society now, so we can't be blaming society for all of its shortcomings and all of its problems because we now are the society. And just because we inherited a bad bill of goods doesn't mean we can't change it for the better so that Gen Z um, you know, Gen Alpha and everybody else can profit off of the hard work that we started and kind of lay down a roadmap for them to continue. So with that being said, today is something very, very simple, but I think encompasses so many things that we have been talking about on this road to success for motivation every single week. Last week, we talked about if they wanted to, they would. If people wanted to talk to you on a consistent basis, they would. If they wanted to make plans with you, they would. If they wanted to catch up with you, they would. If they wanted to love you, they would. If they wanted to be friends with you, they would. We need to stop making people, other people a priority that only see us as an option. Now this week, we're going to take that a step further and copy an Instagram post from my girl, Alana Cardone, which said, quote, some people are bills and some are investments. Know the difference. Could not have said it better, okay? We spend so much time making so many other people priorities that we often forget about ourselves. And then we have so many people in society that are on the flip side of that coin where all they do is prioritize themselves so selfish, selfishly and lack empathy and forget that there is a world around them that involves other people and the world does not revolve around them themselves. So know the difference. What does that mean? If some people are bills and some are investments, how are you supposed to know? Well, it's very, very simple, okay? No two people are exactly alike. No two situations are completely alike. We're all in the same ocean, proverbially speaking, and, but we're not all in the same mode of transportation, okay? Some people have yachts, some people have canoes, some people just have a life raft or a life preserver, some people have nothing at all. Our lives are different because we are living uh, out the life we have now based on a series of choices that we made just a few short years ago. We are always one decision away from a completely different life. And one of those decisions are the people that we allow in our circle and in our lives because we become like the people we spend the most time with. And your environment is indicative of your success. And how you choose to utilize that environment speaks volumes. That's why a lot of times when I talk to people, I say, put your proverbial headphones in and ignore the negative noise. And sometimes that means literally put your, putting your headphones on so you don't have to hear the negative noise, okay? Environment is so important. And so if some people are bills and some people are investments and it's your responsibility to know the difference, what does that mean? Well, take a look at the people you know. How do they make you feel? What do they make you do? Do you find that they make you do anything at all? You know, these are all questions that you can ask of anyone in your life. Are they, do they make you feel good? Do they kick you while you're down? Do they lift you up, but still be real with you? These are questions. These are valuable questions that, that can help you determine 
if that person is a bill or if that person is an investment because those bills uh, based on the people you allow around in your life can come in many different forms they can come in the form of therapy bills they can come in the form of lifestyle bills they can come in the form of medical bills tragically speaking heaven forbid and of course they can come in the form of legal bills okay who you are around will ultimately decide your future if you hang around the wrong crowd you can end up in a bad situation that you didn't even realize you were in but you technically chose to be around those people okay um you know are these people keeping you down and you're not ignoring the negative noise that could result in therapy bills or you not realizing your fullest potential as a human being okay uh, lifestyle bills do these people have you constantly keeping up with the Joneses or do they have you going out and partying and spending money every weekend instead of making smart financial and health decisions you know medical bills are you around people that have you doing dangerous stupid things or heaven forbid doing personally stupid and dangerous things and then of course legal bills are you choosing to be in relationships with people that maybe you should have never been involved with to begin with, you know, i.e. divorce or child support or alimony or buying a new house every other week or keeping up with the Joneses, which applies to every single one of these. Ultimately, it is in fact your responsibility to know the difference. So really protect your environment. Really take a look at your circle. If you are inspired, that is possibly a good circle. If you feel negative and feel confined and feel like you're constantly comparing, then maybe that's not a circle, that's a cage, okay? Uh, if you have to constantly make yourself feel small so they can feel big, maybe that's not a circle, maybe it's a cage. So we have to take responsibility for the roles that we play in things in our life and make decisions to better the future and better the outcome. Remember, you are always just one decision away from a completely different life but those choices are always up to you not your mama not your government not everyone else okay you make the choices you are responsible for you it is time that you take your life into your own hands just like Elena Cardone said some people are bills and some people are investments know the difference are you a bill or are you an investment know the difference this is Knowing this difference and knowing how to spot these types of people in these types of situations is going to help you on your journey to success in whatever that looks like for you. It's going to help you become the best version of yourself that has ever existed to date. Okay, this is going to help you become the adult that you needed as a child. This is going to help you pass down generational wealth, health, prosperity, and success. And it's going to help you break generational curses and generational traumas learn to know the difference. All right, everyone, this has been the latest episode of the Talks with Taylor Hendricks podcast coming to you live every single Tuesday as part of the brand family on russosbrand.com with channel attitude. Until next week.